to the For Those Who Inquired podcast. Uh, I am your host, uh, random sports guy, Edward Marlowe, as uh, some of the kids at McCracken County uh, have called me recently in the last couple of weeks. And I do believe some McCracken County fans will be interested to hear from boys basketball coach Berlin Brower. Uh, Berlin, you just came off of a regional championship win against the Murray Tigers. Uh, how are you guys feeling right now, and, and what's the expectation moving forward? Well, you know, the games were so, it seemed like, um, back-to-back with Friday and, and the big game with Marshall and, and the quick turnaround with Murray. I'm not going to lie, by the time I've got wound down and, and being up, you know, being down at halftime and, and coming back and winning and, and kind of the uh, up and down of those two days, it, it was about Sunday afternoon when I sat down and really started scouting uh, Bullet East and then kind of got thinking, wow, you know, we want to sing again and uh it really didn't settle in until, you know, sometimes Sunday afternoon, you know, what we've actually accomplished. Coach, I want to personally admit, you know, you and I talked a lot last summer as I was building the cat's paws and, and some of the coverage that was going to come up uh, throughout the fall in local newspapers. And, you know, I was actually, you know, you and I talked a lot about how good the Murray Tigers could be. Uh, and obviously you had to face them, you know, in the regional championship. But, you know, when you're coming off of a season – in 2019-20, and you know I'm looking at some numbers right now. You've got an excellent, excellent player in Jackson Civils, ends up winning Regional Player of the Year, commits and signs with Murray State University. you got a good defender and all-around guy in Ronnie Jones, Ramon Hurd going to junior college basketball. You knew you were losing about 30 to 35 points of production and quite a few rebounds, I believe about 20 rebounds per game, you know, in all of those guys. And then all of a sudden – you, you've got some new guys that have to fill those roles. I, I, I expected McCracken County to be good, but you just didn't know how good, and you sweep the region again. How do you get those guys, the Ian McCunes, the Ian Hartz, and even Noah Dumas, uh, to, to rebuild and regroup and replace all of that lost production? Well, we knew we knew losing Jackson was huge. We we really didn't know if uh, if losing Jackson would be uh, would you know would really just say you know we we just couldn't compete at that high level again. Uh, sure, man, he was so good. I mean, Jackson twenty something points a game, and, and you know the thing about Jackson, no matter whether you were playing a Region One team, middle of the ground, or you were playing uh, Madisonville with the top three team in the state, or or Louisville Mail, that that guy go out and get you thirty and any given night, and he got 30 most of the times against the top 10 teams in the state. That's uh, So we knew we wouldn't have that offensive uh, guy to go to because, you know, after about two or three possessions of not scoring, you know, I get the ball to Jackson somewhere. I don't, I don't really care where he gets it, but the ball's right. got to go to Jackson. So that was big. And I think the thing that people didn't realize, too, is, you know, we had Raymond Hurd. And Raymond probably didn't get seven shots a game. But he was such an offensive rebounder. So even when we were missing shots, it was almost like running a double screen for Raymond because the ball was coming off ideally where he could score the best, just get a rebound and stick it back in. Yeah. And that, I don't think people realize how many scoring droughts we got out of because Raymond would, we might go four possessions in a row and miss shots. Well, before that fifth one's missed, Raymond's sticking it back in where well, we still scored somehow. So Raymond was big. Ronnie Jones, uh, you know, we didn't have him in the postseason. You know, unfortunately, you know, what right. happened off the court with him. <clears throat> but, you know, that guy was so good for us. You know, like even against Louisville Mayo, he had like 12 points and like four three-pointers or something with uh, the way he was playing. And he was such a lockdown defender. He was such an athlete. 
So we, we lost a lot of athleticism and a lot of rebounding. So we didn't really – we thought we could be good. Uh, you know, we knew we had Noah back. But could Noah go do it uh, on every single night like Jackson could? Because, you know, even if you tried to box and one Jackson too, well, that, that was really hard. Because Jackson could still get the ball, and he was so big and strong. Yeah. He had so many skill sets. It, a boxing wouldn't work, but it didn't cut him out like it would a guard. A smaller guard, a Noah Dumas, or even some other guards in the region. You know, you can box those guys, deny them the ball. Well, the only way they get open is sometimes 27, 28 feet from the goal. And now they're staring at, you know, four defenders all looking right at him. So that was a concern. So we knew at that time we had to have other guys that were um, – going to be ready to play and they had to make shots because if Noah got boxed and we didn't have other guys to make shots we would get uh we'd have a hard time scoring right and also the fact that with Noah we would you know you need to have gaps for Noah and if you have to guard Noah Davis one-on-one that's hard to do he's going to get to that rim so you had to have shooters to spread around with him and we could go five we knew we could probably go five out now did we know that you know Ian Hart we knew at times the kid was really good his sophomore year uh, we knew Ian McKinnon could go get buckets. Yeah. Um, we 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 knew Brant was coming along because he really played well in the regional tournament. But, you know, it's one thing to go in and, and play defense and get a rebound and hand the ball to Jackson Sibbles and run down the floor. It's another sure. thing for you to go out there and give us 10 points a game and five rebounds a game. I mean, that's, uh, that's the jump he had to make for us to be good. Uh, and then we knew, man, we need to get this ball out of Noah's hands some because Noah was such a good defender. There's going to be nights that dude has to guard everybody's best player. Yeah. Now we're asking him to go get 19, 20 points some nights. Oh, and hey, while you're on top of it, Noah, I'm going to need you to run a point, too. <laughs> and we <we're> like, <laughs> so, like, come on, man, we can only ask so much out of kids. So then, you know, we knew Casey Tilford was a really good point guard. He's yeah. been a good point guard since he's young. Uh, he's played with that group coming up. So we knew, hey, we put this ball in Kaysen's hands, uh, you know, getting Noah off the ball so maybe he doesn't have to work near as hard. And that was, you know, I, it wasn't one thing that really come about. It was about four or five. Well, then you get to thinking, okay, you got those five guys. What are you going to do for a bench? Yeah. And Max Black has always been a good player. He, Max is one of the best players in that great level growing up. Uh, so we knew that Max, you know, we thought, you know, Max could be able to help us some. But as the year went on, we had another emergency. Just the kid, I always, I'd watched the kid since he was in sixth and seventh grade. I knew he was going to be good, but he just kept growing and getting longer and longer. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Jack McKinnon started really progressing yeah. towards the end of the season, especially in JV ball. And then after that, he got to go play some summer ball on the AAU circuit. And I was actually with him because, you know, Brandt was playing at the other age level up, and I got to actually watch him play, and I kept, I would call those guys on the weekend, go, man, Jack McHugh gets better every time he laces his shoes up. And yeah. I was just, uh, so now we go seven deep, and right now, that's probably been the big key. Some of those guys, we, we were afraid, you know, if, if Brant played bad, or Kaysen played bad, now we're down to three players. Well, we're not anymore. You know, right. we could slide Max Blackwell in there and not miss a beat. Max might come in and get you eight or ten points. Jack McKinnon's, you know, just been so efficient around the rim and blocking shots. So an injury, a bad game, foul show or whatever, with those two guys coming along, he's really helped us consistent. Now, that's been the biggest thing I've been impressed with the most with this team. It's not about, you know, being good on a given night. You know, you, you see that all the time out of teams. 
on a Tuesday night they go and beat a uh, second or third best team in the region. Yeah. And then three nights later they end up getting beat by somebody and you're just scratching your head Friday night when you're hearing the scores. Like, how did that happen? The ability to be that deep has really kept us from having those head-scratching losses. Now, there's been some that you're like, wow, I thought they would win by more than that. But <clears throat> we didn't ever drop down and get beat. That was the key yeah. to that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really glad you broke it down because two of the guys I wanted to ask you about, and I'm going to save your son for last here because I, I think that that's kind of really an interesting development that we've started to see over the last couple of seasons. But you mentioned, I'm thinking just immediate recency bias, two plays that I can specifically think of for Case and Tilford and Max Blackwell. I uh, was lucky enough to be on the call for the regional championship with Jeremy Bell uh, here at Froggy. 103.7 in Murray, and what a fantastic game. But two plays that I thought really hurt Murray in the second half was a was a second-half three-pointer from Max Blackwell there on the elbow. And uh, Case and Tilford late gets doubled on the baseline. Uh, looks like he's maybe about to lose the basketball or travel. Instead, wraps a pass around into the lane, and Ian Hart fills it uh, with a thunderous dunk. And uh, I thought two, those two, that, that five points specifically – uh, were specifically difficult for the Tigers to overcome as they were in the middle of their own scoring drought. When you see guys, Coach, like Tilford and Blackwell make those crunch time plays, how much confidence, how much excitement does it bring you and your staff to see that development happen in real time? Oh, you just love it. You know, Casey's so unselfish. I mean, that, that guy might go two games and <clears throat> maybe take two shots each night, but it's the funny thing is his toes are right on the line. He buries both three points. You just, he's not anybody looking to force anything. He knows his role. And I tell you the big thing about Casey, he's become a really good defender. We, we knew we had, you know, two good defenders in Noah and, and Brandt. We knew those right. guys could really defend. But, you know, and at the end of the year, Casey's sophomore year, he was getting to play some quite a bit because we would pull, um, you know, we knew we had to have a point guard for this year sometime. We we kind of looked down the road on that stuff. So we were getting him in some of those games and getting Noah a break here and there. And uh, so Casey at the end of the year, man, people were just taking full advantage of him being on the court. I, I'm thinking we were in Callaway. I think it's right. And so Casey comes in the game, and Coach Cleaver yells, clear it out, clear it out, and they take him right to the rim scoring. Come on, Casey. You know, you got a guard better than that. And they were really taking advantage of him not being strong. And they were sure. clearing it out. And uh, <clears throat> so, you know, Casey being Casey. And, and like I say, Casey's a great kid. And, you know, he he, he, he takes responsibility for everything. And I, and I took him out and said, Casey, man, this is what I've been telling you about the weight room. You've got to get in the weight room if you're going to play against these 18-year-old guys. Yeah. And, uh, boy, in the offseason and during COVID, you know, you can tell he could put on a lot of muscle and strength. He didn't put on, like, just big muscle, but he just got stronger. And he's gotten to where he's one of our better defenders now. We, we put, you know, we put him on Zion Harmon a lot the other night. We put him yeah. on uh, uh, McAllister, those guys that a year ago from this date, he can't compete with those guys defensively and stay on the floor. And it's really been able to help us because now we can take Noah off some of those guys, even if it's just for short periods of time, to start games sometimes so Noah don't pick up an early foul. So uh, that's been big. And the other thing I'd like to say about Max Blackwell, there's been three or four games this year. Max has come in and just made big shot, getting to the rim. And, and the thing about Max it really is is his biggest strength is, you know, he just he never seemed like a turtle. Yeah. Ever. You know, I know he made maybe one there in a championship game, but for the most part, he doesn't really try to 
go out and do things that he can't do. Uh, he he takes an open shot. He gets the ball where it needs to be. He can run the point for us some. Um, there's where, like, he really comes in a lot of times. If I'm up five or six points, I just don't have Max in the game without anybody because he does a really good job. Of, you just don't see him make bad decisions on the court. Yeah. Um, you talk about this well-roundedness that your team has. You had four in double figures again. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about at least the development of guys like Ian Hart and Ian McCune, who came back as, other than Noah Dumas, uh, some of the better scorers, more proven scorers uh, from last season's strong run to the to Rupp Arena and a, and a regional championship. But your son, you take a look at the numbers, you know as well as anybody, Coach, you know, with him you know, on, on the sidelines last year. He appeared in, in 34 games, became a critical role piece late in the season, and, you know, averaged 1.3 points and, and one rebound. And, you know, obviously you know, there were guys in front of him that had those roles, and that, that's understandable. Comes into this season, and uh, statistically, Coach, across the first region, there were a lot of guys that blossomed, so to speak, but it'd be hard to make an argument if someone blossomed maybe more, maybe Parker McCauley in uh, in St. Mary's offense, but Brant Brower goes for 10 points and five rebounds all the way through the regional championship. What an explosion from him. I know he's your son, but what have you seen from him from a player perspective that has uh, enlightened you uh, or perhaps made you proud, not just as a father, but as a coach? Well, I mean, he's put a lot of time in. And, you know, I knew going into the regional tournament last year, we lost that great defender in Ronnie Jones. I mean, right. Ronnie was our guy. He guarded any perimeter player. So we knew, um, you know, Hart, we felt like, could step in and make, be that shooter, which Ronnie made a lot of threes. Well, we were, now we're going to need a defender. So, and, and Brent had always guarded Jackson in practice. That was his job. He guarded Sybils every day. And, you know, he's got length about him. You know, Brant goes somewhere between 6'2", six 6'3", six but he's got these really long arms. I mean, he's right. got, he'll stand beside me, and we'll reach our hand up, and he's got like a four-inch reach on me, but he's only maybe two inches taller. I mean, he's got really long arms. So that helps him out a lot with his defense and his rebounding. And, um, you know, and, you know, being a father and being a coach, I mean, it's tough on him. I mean, it really is. I mean, uh, <laughs> most people probably have no clue how much pressure he's on. And it's one thing to be – a coach, but it's also a coach to be at McCracken where we cut so many kids. Yeah. I mean, we, we have, you know, when we have a lot, we have a big school, so we have a lot of kids. So, you know, every kid that gets cut and he stays, you know, that's the first thing they're going to. Oh, well, sure. Him. But, so, you know, he, and he told me one day and we're riding and we, you know, he, he don't talk much. He's pretty, you know, he's not really a big emotional person when he just, you know, you don't know what it's like being your son. Yeah. McCracken. And I said, well, First of all, because he's kind of not played as well, and I said, well, first of all, you know, you've got two options to do with that. You either take that pressure and you wear it and get better with it, or B, you run from it. And I felt like in the regional tournament last year, when he, I said, you can, by, being, by playing with all that pressure, Brent, even at the freshman JV level, when we step into a regional tournament someday, you've already had that everybody's eyes on you since you're a freshman. Yeah. So that would give you a ton of confidence to be ready to step into play in any situation. And I do felt like that was one of the things. And I noticed, too, after the, the first round of the regional tournament, he made a nice reverse layup over the, the big kid from Callaway. And then he got in in the semifinal. Like 10 points and 10 rebounds against Wakefield. And I noticed 
then when I say go get in, Brent, I mean, he didn't just walk up to the cure desk. He was sprinting, patting his hand on it. He was ready to get in that game. Right. So that, you know, I could tell then that, you know, you could either run from that kind of stuff or learn and make it, make yourself better from it. And I thought that was one of the things he really did with that was learned how to handle that pressure. And I thought it put him in those pressure situations and be better, better for us by handling that. And then I also felt that, you know, there was a lot of times, you know, he played in a lot of games, but it might be for 40 seconds. You know, we'd have like 30 seconds to the end of a quarter. I'd say, go get Jackson so he can get a little, you know, get the end of the 30 seconds and get the whole quarter break. Yeah. And I'll never forget. It, it just, it's one of those things I'll never forget because most kids don't like going in for 20 seconds to get pulled back out. You're done. Go back and sit down. So we're playing somewhere. I think it's actually in the King of the Bluegrass. Or what, I can't remember. So, I send him in. It's like 40 seconds, 45 seconds, and we're on defense. So he goes in, and this he takes a charge. Somebody just plows him. And I go, all right, great. Now, Jackson, go back in for offense. <laughs> so he picks himself <laughs> off the floor. He goes back over and goes, like, good job, sit down. He said, so basically all I'm good for is go and get ran over. And I went, yeah, you call it that, whatever you want to call it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> terrific. That was just his job. Don't win. Give those guys a break and step back off the court. But I thought, too, by going in and checking in those games, uh, and I told him, too, we could really go to the regional because, like I said, we had lost Ronnie, and those guys are going to have to step up. Yeah. And I said, you know, there's nothing to be nervous about, Brent. You played in the King of the Bluegrass. You played in against Madisonville in the Hoop Fest. And, you know, you played in all these big games. There's not going to be anything you're going to see in the Region 1 tournament that you haven't already seen somewhere down the road, whether it be in – Louisville or Lexington or wherever we played at. Uh, you know, we go to to uh, uh, Bowling Green and, and go against Davion McKnight, the most value, you know, that ends up being Mr. Basketball. And right. there was times that he had to go in and I said, hey, go, you got Davion McKnight, go. And so um, I, I felt like by playing that tough of a schedule, those kids learned in the offseason what they had to get better at. And that was those Hart, Brandt, and McKinnon, Nolan, all those guys, and even Kaysen. And, uh, you know, even though we were in COVID, you know, I would talk to those guys, and, man, they were lifting weights. They were doing everything they can in the offseason. Because they, they got the opportunity to see what good was. Yeah. And uh, sometimes seeing it from a distance but being out there and trying to guard it is two different things. So i I got to give those guys credit. COVID sometimes either made players better or it made players worse because it was truly up to you what you decided to do when you had all that free time. You yeah, could say, absolutely. oh, I don't have a weight bench. I, I don't have a, a gym. I don't have, but if you've got a concrete pad and a basketball, you dribble. If you've got anything to pick up, push-ups, sit-ups, whatever, you do them. And I think most of those kids that we're talking about did that. And uh, So, I, you know, I was really pleased with when I first got the guys back that they were not in bad shape. <clears throat> they looked, some of them put on muscle, some of them not. Uh, we, we do a lot of – like we call it measuring sticks around here, and you know we yeah. when we get in the off season, we're gonna we're gonna test everybody on what your bench is, what your you know squad is, what it is, and we have a weight program. And after nine weeks, we check you in. And if you know most kids are going up twenty twenty five pounds on their bench, if you don't go up twenty five pounds or you only go up five to ten, we're gonna ask you, uh, what is it? Are you an anomaly? Are you you know you're lifting weights but you're not getting stronger? Or B, you're cutting out on reps. Right. And, you know, somebody's got to answer that question because there's no need 
playing athlete, being an athlete no more. If you lift weights every day, you're working out and you just can't get any stronger. Yeah, you, you may, maybe maybe athletics is not your thing. So right. those kids have to answer that question. Oh, yeah, coach, maybe, maybe I'll skip some reps, you know. Okay, then don't be mad at me when you don't get on the court. Yeah, no, I definitely get it. Coach, a uh, couple of couple of life life things that I wanted to ask you just about getting to this point. Obviously, uh, you've had a very decorated career as a coach and as a player as well. But how much um, how much of your upbringing and experience at Carlisle County uh, as a basketball player uh, in a developmental program? You know, obviously being a regional contender during those years. Uh, how much of your experience as a Comet uh, has built the type of basketball coach and basketball mind that you have uh, in translating that into these McCracken County Mustangs? Well, you know, basketball is different in Carlisle. There's no doubt. Basketball in Carlisle is almost kind of like basketball in Kentucky. Uh, I was a sixth grader when Carlisle made the run of the state championship game. I was actually yeah. there. You see it every once in a while on Twitter, the guy tipping it in in triple overtime. I was there. I was in the end zone. I was, like I said, I was only sixth grade, but I remember it. I remember yeah. just like it was yesterday. Uh, to see those guys be treated like celebrities, basically in a small town, uh, it's hard not to. It's hard not for it to be such a uh, uh, influence on you. It, yeah. it really is. So, so all your life, you all through your middle school years, all you're doing is hearing about you know the varsity basketball team, and then they're winning, you know, winning their first, second, third round games in the state tournament. And they're they were forty and four that year. Yeah. So, and then I had the opportunity. Now, after that, my sixth grade year, after Carlisle was in the state championship, Craner Sloan left our head coach. He went to Ashland, actually, and, and coached. Well, my junior year, and up until that time, I played for Steve Greer, which Steve Greer had a, a really good career also. Mm-hmm. But after my junior year, uh, <clears throat> Craner Sloan came back to coaches. And uh, just sitting around, we had a class. I don't really know, remember the name of the class. There was only like four of us in there. I was a senior, so I had that, I had that typical senior schedule of uh, sure. English, math, and nothing, nothing, and nothing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, so uh, I sat in there with Crane, and we would just talk basketball every day. And, uh, and you know, he had such a basketball mind and, uh, you know, such a defensive uh, mentality. I mean, you talk about the triple overtime game at, against Henry Clay was 35-33. So, um Wow. Like okay. I said, yeah. you know, I got the I got the opportunity to just sit with him every day, and I had a year to, and got a year to play for him. So uh, that was a big part of it. Um, after graduating from Carlisle and playing there, that was um, where you know you couldn't listen to football, and we didn't have soccer. Um, I actually played baseball also, but I tell people all the time, you know, the funny thing about Carlisle baseball at that time was is uh. You played your baseball game, and you might play 14 a year or whatever, but as soon as that baseball game was over, you threw them cleats down, and you went straight up to that gym, and you played pickup basketball for the next two hours. So, I mean, you couldn't get the cleats off quick enough to get back up there. So, you know, back, you know, it was such a big part of, you know, your upbringing, I guess, um, upbringing in Carlisle, you know, is to be part of basketball. And, um, and you know, those guys you were looked at, and Tuesdays and Friday nights, that's where Everybody went. You know, you got three channels at the end, and that was depending on what the weather was like. Because you might not get channel six. You got channel six, and channel twelve. Yep. If you didn't like some of the shows on on that, you might better go watch the basketball game because that was the only entertainment. That's right. So, so uh, no internet at that time. So, uh, yeah, that you know that that part of it. 
I think, you know, lasted with me. Then you know, had an opportunity to go play some junior college basketball. And uh, actually, you were talking about Brian O'Neill earlier. You know, Brian O'Neill and I were teammates in high school. Right. And then we were also teammates at uh, in junior college, too. We lived together. And uh, so uh, after that, uh, you know, you just kind of looking, you know, maybe this is what I need to do because I enjoy it so much. And been very fortunate. Uh, coach with John Tyler at Carloff for a little while. And, uh Jimmy Long, give me a call and, uh, you know, gotta thank him for giving me a great opportunity to come to Heath and work with him as an assistant coach for years. And my one advice, you know, some people ask me all the time about, you know, going from assistant coach to a head coach. Sometimes you gotta watch, uh, trying to do that too fast. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you, uh, the rocket will explode way before it gets off the launching pad. So a lot of that was about timing and, um, well, you know, you just gotta take your timing. Kids nowadays, they think they're going to all the answers. I still learn stuff every year about the game of basketball. And, shoot, I, I can't – where I am now compared to where I was when I got out of college, where I was five years compared to ten years ago, uh, being an assistant coach for over 10 or 12 years was probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. Yeah, I it, it's amazing. First of all, I almost got caught up in you talking about the three channels business because, uh, Berlin, I grew up in Cadiz class of 03 at Trigg County, and, uh, you know, we had the bunny ears. We had the two antenna yeah. at the top of the TV with aluminum foil wrapped around yeah. the top of it, and you bend it one way or another, and hopefully you watch the TV kind of fade into focus and things like that. So I know exactly what you mean by three channels. It was 3, 6, and 35. We'd get KET, thank goodness. So uh, uh, was well, You wasn't the youngest. I was the youngest kid, so uh, you know you had the antenna outside. You know, we had one of those tall antennas. We lived uh-huh. in the country. And if you were the youngest, which I was, that was your job to go outside while somebody yelled from the warm part of the house how far to come. <laughs> that is exactly what we did. We did at my grandmother's house in the middle of Princeton, Kentucky. That's amazing. Well, I'm good to know that I was part of the last generation. I was born in 85, just to age myself a little bit here. Sorry, Berlin. But uh, <laughs> definitely, definitely was still in that generation of antenna television. Uh, before we switched to digital signals. So I definitely, that hit home a little bit when you started talking about that. But one of the things that I also wanted to ask you, and it's more funny than anything, but it's, I, I made this joke earlier this year, uh, and I didn't mean it to be hateful, but it's kind of funny. So you, you guys shoot 75% from the free throw line. Uh, obviously you've got good shooters on your team, but I laughed and I told somebody, I said, well, Berlin's from Carlisle County. I said this on the radio. I said, Berlin's from Carlisle County. All they got is time to shoot free throws, and they're going to be good at it. And I made that joke with Brian O'Neill, too, and then he stopped laughing, and he's like, but you're right. He was like, that's all we've got. Like, I just see this translation. Like, free throw shooting is so – it's such a rudimentary thing, and yet you guys are so good at it. I, is it really your Carlisle upbringing that brings that free throw mentality, or is it just something that you just – you're going to tell your team, hey, I, we are going to make free throws as a team? Well, you have to. I mean, so many games are won and lost in the last, you know, two minutes of a game. And, you know, yeah. if you can, you know, we're, we're, we're really harp on turnovers. I cannot stand turnovers. They, they are literally the, uh, the devil of basketball. They so are. If you don't turn it over and you get up four or five points and I hit my free throws well, you're pretty much at my mercy. <laughs> I feel like, you know, <laughs> right. And if, uh, and some of the better teams we had, you know, we talked about with, uh, Trevor Lindsay was one of them. That, that team that won it a couple of years ago uh, yeah. when Wes Belt and Cameron Cartwright, they were all great free throw shooters. 
if we got you up four points and we had the ball, you could almost start seeing people get up out of the chair and start walking. This game was over. You just, yeah. We could spread you out. Uh, we all shot free throws well, or they all shot free throws well, and we, we didn't turn it over. So, uh, and take a couple of those regional tournament games that you really want, it come down to us taking care of the basketball. So if you can, you know, hit your free throws and now you're up six, they're going down and trying to rush because they got to have two possessions to, uh, to get to six points within the next minute and 20 seconds. Well, now they take a quick shot, you block out, you rebound. Well, guess what? Now we're going to do it again. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to go down there. We're going to spread you out. We're going to move it and do you foul us and, we're going to go up eight, and now you're in a worse situation than you was even 30 seconds ago. So right. that was always, I always thought was one of the better ways. You know, better, better things about some of our best teams is they were the ability to uh, hold on the leads. And uh, this group early at one time we wasn't very good at. It. We were turning the ball over way too much, and I was just, I was beside myself with the turnovers. It was ridiculous what we were turning the ball over. So I think I got mad one day at practice, and Coach Roberts runs a lot of the offense. We, we've tried three to four different type of delay games. So we were trying to do one in practice, and, and I, I might have even been grand. He turns it over. And so I just go nuts. I said, forget it. Just run a high ball screen, and let's just try to score when we're up one with 30 seconds or 15 seconds, because this bunch can't take care of the ball. Just, just right. try to score every time. And um, so I just – went crazy one day in practice about it. And, and finally, they did get better. I mean, I think it's anything in coaching, uh, and it's almost like parenting, anything. You're going to get what you demand. If you're willing to let guys turn it over with, with no repercussions, then, then they're going to – don't be surprised. They don't keep turning it over. Or uh, sometimes free throw shooting, um, you know, you know, you take Noah Dennis, for example. He's a great free throw shooter. The other night in the finals, yeah. he missed – this one I've probably seen him miss all year. But I do think that had a lot to do with the uh, being tired. I mean, I think he was he was gassed after the Friday night game, and then coming right back on Saturday and having to come back. But for the most part, if you can make your free throws and take care of the basketball, and you can keep games close, you need to have a good shot at the end of winning these games. Well, in the regional tournament, I know you guys worked so hard in all three games. Uh, particularly, I knew the second game against Marshall County provided provided its own challenges. Uh, you know, obviously Zion Harmon, a really special player headed to Western Kentucky. Uh, but the way that you guys handled the Marshalls, of course, put you in the regional championship. I know that first 20 minutes against the Tigers, you know, they shot about as well as anybody could against you guys and had an 11 point lead. Uh, and you guys, you know, slowly but surely chipped away at it. a couple free throws from Brower, then another couple free throws from Brower, then a basket from Ian, then a three, then a two. And you got defensive stop after defensive stop. And I just, I see, uh, I, what I wrote in my blog, Berlin, is that I see championship DNA. And that brings me to one of my last few questions here. You obviously have a team now with different pieces that's won 36 straight games against, uh, the first region and back to back regional titles. Um, if I had asked you two years ago, you know, with a soon to be senior class that included Jackson Civils up to this point that you would have been on this stretch against how talented the region is right now, I, what would you have said? You know, honestly, I, I, I'd say I, it doesn't surprise me. It really doesn't. Uh, and the reason why I knew what we had coming up, and I spent a lot of time in our Little League program. And, you know, we've got a couple sophomores right now that aren't getting to play, but I'm telling you, like, the Carson Purvis kid could start for a lot of teams in this region. Yeah. He just is behind really good players, 
and he just hadn't got that opportunity yet. And you, and you mark my words, you watch a year down the road, probably 12 months from now, you watch this kid coming in, and you're like, how has this kid not ever got to play that much? Because, you know, he's just one of the purest shooters I've ever coached. He's got to get stronger. He knows that. But, but what I mean by that, I knew a long time ago, I knew when I was watching our middle schools play, which, you know, obviously Noah and Brant, Max, Kaysen, even Ian McKinn, um, all those guys grew up playing together. So I, yeah. you know, we, we started something, I guess it was maybe when Brant and were in maybe fifth grade, I started something called MC Elite. And uh, what it was is I, after our middle school seasons, I would go and we would have a tryout and I would get the best eighth graders and we would get about 10 players and the best seventh graders and the best sixth graders and we would go play about three, four, five tournaments in the spring. Well, after we kind of played three or four tournaments, well, some of them would keep playing more. So we knew then by some of those teams, I think these guys are pretty good. Yeah. Um, they were winning a lot. And I knew uh, Dumas' class with N. McCune, they had a, a good team. Um, they, you know, they won their I – mean, we were like first and second in the district each year in this district. When I remember when I first got to Heath – was like Paducah Middle. Paducah Middle used to beat the brakes off all those district teams. You know, he yeah. on Oak Marine. And we, they would just be just ridiculous. And I was an assistant at Heath, and I remember lividly we had a good class of eighth graders one year, and they beat Tillman in an eighth grade game. Well, you know, that next morning they're on the speaker, and they're talking just, oh, the eighth grade won, and, you know, beat Paducah Middle. You know, it was a big ordeal. Yeah, well, absolutely. We we had been traveling so much, and I remember with branch class, because I wasn't even at the game. Uh, that was always a bad thing. I didn't get to see them play a lot. I didn't see Brant play. His like first four middle school games, I didn't even get to watch him play. I just had to hear how it went. So they played Paducah Middle. <clears throat> and um, so I asked him, I said, well, how'd the game go, you know, when they got home? He said, uh, it went all right. We only won by like 14 or 15. I just couldn't. You know, I'm like, well, you know, that's Paducah Middle, and now they're at Heath Middle, and they're complaining about only winning by 14 or 15. So right. I knew then, I thought, you know, I knew this group was going to be good. Dumas and M's group, it was Lone Oak and Heath in the finals of the district that year when they were eighth graders. Uh, the seventh grade was Heath and Lone Oak, finals of the district. For four straight years, we won that district, and it was Heath and Lone Oak each year in that district final. So I knew we had good players coming. Yeah. Um, then we actually we got them out. We really started traveling with them some. Uh, Greg Webb uh, done a great job with that. He would take those kids and, and travel everywhere. He took Carson Purvis and Jack McCune, and it was funny. I always told Greg, I said, man, Greg, you were to coach this team for me. You know, they were sixth graders. Like, ah, man, I'm retired. I'm not doing anything. Man, Greg, you'll have a blast if you'll do it. So he takes them one weekend to like Evansville, and uh, I'll say this on the way: Greg loves to, to go to the um, that little casino over there. He loves to go play those slot machines. Oh, I love to go I play that man. casino too. That, that's awesome. That's great. I do that on Greg. Look, Greg, go to Evansville, man. The kids will be with their parents. Hey, you can go coach them today and go over and hit those slot machines at night. You have a blast. Yeah. We went two weekends later. This guy told me, hey, we're going to Nashville this weekend. Now we're going to Evansville, and then we're going to St. Louis. So ah. he took those guys everywhere. He loved it. And he's, yeah. still, he's still doing that right now. Uh, Joe Hart coaches, you know, some kids over here in one of my middle schools, and Levi Sanders helps out with – and those guys have been really good with our middle school programs, and that's where it really starts is yeah. in middle school. So uh, 
I got to give those guys a lot of credit uh, about what they've done with them. But uh, playing in the off season has been really big for our guys. And they learned that they started that in sixth and seventh grade. And some of these guys, as soon as we get done, they'll go play in really good AAU programs. So, uh, like I said, we've got a lot of kids, but the competition for your position, and, it, and if you don't play hard and you don't work at it, somebody will take your spot here. Absolutely. Coach, my last question for you. You've, um, you're headed to Rupp Arena, uh, this week, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I do believe it's, uh, March 31st through April 3rd is the slated KHAA Boys Sweet 16 by, uh, at Rupp Arena in Lexington. Hey, what are your expectations and, and what can you tell listeners and myself about what you're, what you're, what you think you'll see against sixth region, sixth region champion Bullet East? Well, they've got two brothers that play, uh, the Blanford brothers, uh, Tucker Blanford, um, he's averaged right at 16, 17 points a game and right at, I think, around 10 rebounds a game. Big kid, about 6'5", can handle it, can shoot it a little bit, real aggressive off a dribble. Uh, we got some guys got their hands full with him. Big strong kid. So, you know, he, he creates a problem because you just don't see it. He's kind of a Jackson Civil Field kind of guy. Sure. Uh, handles it pretty decent. Now, he doesn't shoot it quite as well as Jackson. But, um, so we've got to deal with him. And we got his brother he's got to deal with, Will Blanford. And he's a, you know, a good three point shooter. Um, also scores and Will averages about 12 a game. Uh, they got another really big kid on the block. Probably, I, it's hard to tell on video, but he looks like he may go 6'4", 6'5", but he looks like a big football player and average around at about 12 a game. They're big and they're strong is what they are. And now they're not like super fast athletic, but they are big and strong. So, uh, not your kind of your typical Louisville team. Uh, you know, Bullet East is kind of more out in the outside of Louisville. But, you know, they create some issues for us. And people are like saying, oh, man, you, you know, you're not dealing with some of the Louisville teams. You're dealing with Bullies. You could win this game. And yeah, but to come out of that region, you've got to win two district games and then three regional games. Those are five pretty tough games usually in the Louisville area. Yep. You know, it's one thing to upset one team. Then they upset another one. But for them to uh, win five games and to come out of that region, uh, that means you're pretty good. And I've had an opportunity to watch them on tape. And, uh, Coaching staff, you know, we I got a great coaching staff. I mean, he's just uh, all day long this morning and last night. I'm dealing with travel arrangements, hotels and stuff. So I just told those guys, hey man, watch tape. Let me know what you think. And those guys are so good at it. They'll have that stuff nailed down. When I walk into school this morning, we go and meet, and it's just they're right on target of everything we do. So uh, and we've been blessed with that. That's you know, part of the winning tradition goes back to is. Keeping the same coaching staff. Uh, yeah. That probably, if anybody's asked me, that is a, the thing that's hard to do now. It's just hard with times are different. You know, people have kids. Nobody gets in coaching now and stays for 25 years. These guys have been with me. Coach Roberts has been with me since I've become a head coach. He, I mean, going on, what, 14-something years now? Something like 13, right. 14? Um, I, you know, I just kind of throw the keys to him sometimes and then deal with it. You know, get that offense right and all that stuff. And Coach Shepard's been with me now since we consolidated the high school and then at McCracken. And, you know, when you're around somebody, you don't – I told somebody one day, I, I can miss six months and nobody would ever know I was gone. <laughs> I mean, because those guys, they've done so much. Coach Dobbins yeah. and, and uh, Coach uh, 
Jesse Berg, you know, those guys. And, you know, Nathan Stonecipher is on that really good team and uh, that with Cart Ryan and them at Wonder Region when Sibbles was a sophomore. Yes, sir. And, you know, what an outstanding young man and going to be a great coach. You know, just so mild-mannered, mild-tempered, but really knows the game. You know, you're talking about a guy that was uh, maybe six foot one, thousand points, 500 rebounds. I mean, what a uh, you know what a basketball mind he already has. So, you know, we've got that luxury, and I, and I don't feel any worries at all. I think we'll sit down together. We'll have a good game plan. We'll figure out the best way to defend them, and hopefully, uh, you know, we can find a way to keep them in check and uh, make some shots up there, and maybe come out there with a win. It, it wouldn't surprise me one bit if we won. Yeah. You mentioned Stone Cipher. If I'm not mistaken, Coach, correct me if I'm wrong, I was at the All-Purchase Banquet uh, as one of the hosts of that, and I do believe he, not only did he make the team that year, do you believe in that regional championship? Did he not make the only three-pointer of his season right he there did. at the elbow? He did. He did. It was, he it was, was a huge shot. joked about that. And, you know, he's a guy that's scored a 1,000 points. He's 6'1", and, and hits one three-pointer his senior year. So go figure out that. But I think not and uh, you know, I think sometimes he was frustrated. He didn't, you know, he, he didn't shoot as well as he would like. And then my, yeah. I said, "Look, man, just keep working on it. You will hit a three in a big time when people in the postseason are staying off of you, and it'll be a big three. I guarantee." You. And he, we still joke about that today because he did. And Nathan, uh, uh, telling the story before the championship game about Nathan is. Nathan didn't really have a good chance to play. You know, he really struggled in the first half. It was really bad. And most everybody in the crowd would be yelling, take him out. Why is he still in the game? Because, you know what, that's my guy. I know he's going to do something right. I'm leaving right. him. And he not only hit that three, but there was a situation where somebody missed a shot. Two kids from Grays pretty much had that rebound. Nathan basically went between both of them. Fought for the loose ball, grabbed it, took a power dribble, went back up and got an and one at one of the most crucial times of that game. And I said, you know, that's why when guys work that hard, you know, just leave them in the game. I mean, you know, you might give them a break, let them calm down. But that guy I knew eventually was going to make a big play if you just leave him in there. Coach, we really appreciate the time. Uh, for those who inquired, the McCracken County Mustangs do play on April 1st of 2021, obviously, this season, how wild it's been. It is coming to a close. It's at Rupp Arena at 2 o'clock. Do you believe that's Central time, Coach? Is that right? Is that 2 o'clock no, Central? No, it's 2 o'clock Eastern time. 2 o'clock Eastern. See, see, that's it, man. I'm glad I asked. Yeah, 2 o'clock <laughs> Eastern time, 1 o'clock Central. Uh, KHSAA Boys Sweet 16. What a sweet tournament it is. Uh, Coach Brower, I really appreciate the time. Uh, good luck to your Mustangs, and good luck to you. And uh, we look forward to seeing just how things shake out for you guys up in Lexington. Well, I appreciate you calling me. It's been fun, you know, talking about basketball. And, you know, anytime I get to talk about these kids and some of these younger players coming up, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't know those guys. And, you know, I, and I, I think one thing we, I have to, you know, really admit more, and we were still talking about is, in the way our, our team is made up is, you know, we, we get guys like a, a Jack Bradley, a Carson Purvis, and those guys had to play the role of a Zion Harmon for three days. Yeah. They literally played that role to a T. And then people wonder why, well, man, your defense is so good. Well, yeah, we've got guys that come to practice every day. Gavin Etcherton, Jackson Allen, all those guys come to practice every day to play that role. No one did well. You know, I may not get any minutes in this game. And uh, 
what a luxury to have guys to work that hard. Because their job is to be basically a scout team to get our team's defense ready to go out. Yep. And like you say, hold a Marshall County to 12 points for over two and a half quarters. Or uh, be able to lock down a Murray High for, you know, a whole six and a half minutes or whatever it took for us to get back or get our offense going. Uh, and I, I enjoy getting to talk about those guys. So I'm glad you called because sometimes, you know, those guys don't get much uh, – they're not going to get in the paper much, but if you're going to ever have a winning program, it's not about the five guys on the court. Yeah. Uh, it's about the whole team. And, and one thing I always tell you, Friday night's game is not one on Friday. It's one on Wednesday and Thursday in practice, and it's not one in practice by those five guys. It's one by all 15 and all the whole coaching staff. So sometimes you don't see the, the whole thing, and so I appreciate you guys always giving us the opportunity to talk about those guys. Yeah, no, absolutely, Coach. That's part of it. Um, you know, each game, um, as I see it, only has – there's only a few moments that you get to get a chance to talk about. You know, it's easy to talk about Ian Hart's dunk or Max Blackwell's three, uh, but there's always the smaller details uh, that people are interested in, and, and that's kind of what I've always been interested in in my career. So uh, yeah. really appreciate the time, and I really appreciate you – uh, being honest and revealing those details. Uh, that's, that's part of the, that's part of the fabric of the story. It isn't just the 20 points per game. It's, uh, it's also the, the two assists or the, you know, who's grabbing the towels, who's getting the water, you know, who's helping you draw up the plans at halftime, who, who's, 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 who's writing the wrongs, uh, when mistakes yeah. are being made. So. Yeah, yeah, I really appreciate it's the a time. Group effort. And, you know, and even the parents, you know, if you've got bad parents, you can't win. You just can't. Uh, if your parents aren't willing to be role players and and, uh, and be a part of the team, it's hard to do. And you know, you hear nightmares and horror stories about this stuff. And you know, for any parent out there right now, and I've, I've talked to some about it. And one of the top three questions now college coaches ask me with social media is: it's not just um, how good is the player, how good is his grades, but every single college coach I've talked to over the last four years has asked me, "What's the parents like?" What yep. am I? What am I getting in here? What am I? Am I going to have a parent on social media or yelling from? And you know, our parents are really bought into our program. You know, and uh, you know that's been a big part of our success is are having good parents around you that that are willing to have a sophomore that may not get to start varsity, may not even get to play, and they buy their time until they get there. So it, it takes a lot of different things to put up that many wins on a consistent and keep the drama out of your program. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're exactly right. I think, um, you know, sometimes it's really amazing to me. I see kids that act like adults better than adults acting like kids. So <laughs> absolutely. that's uh, that's, uh, that's part of it. Coach, again, really appreciate the time, and I really appreciate the deep dive uh, that you've given myself and listeners about the McCracken County Mustangs. Good luck to you and your team at Rupp Arena. Right. Well, great, man. Hope to keep up the good work. I think it's great. Thanks, man. I appreciate it.